this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, speaking of the union, we have a union member here. Speaking of, we do. Yes. He, he, he took off his hard hat, <laughs> threw on his headphones. We've got him on uh, on the dock with us. We're going to... S- stepped into the foreman's office. Yeah, stepped into the... <laughs> take this... Uh, Took the bag of cash over to the counselor at the uh, the councilman and making sure that our 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 meat products are not contested by other meat vendors. I don't, I don't know. Here? I'm make trying to go. Product? I'm trying to think of like a, a, an old like Jimmy Hoffa or something, some yeah. sort of which really I shouldn't because that right. smirches unions and my this wife's in a union podcast. Yeah, it's a pro union podcast. I, I'm a this is a union household. I'm not. Uh, same here. That's how I get my health care. Welcome back to the program, Andrew O'Connell, Andrew OC. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Can't complain. Wonderful. Can't Wonderful. Complain. I'm wearing my uh, union hard hat, my, uh, my pale lunch, showing up for beauty, guys. <laughs> Excellent. Well, what'd you bring to this meeting uh, this time, I just want to share with everybody your previous picks before you before you share. Last year, and these are, this has been a nice eclectic mix. Last year, do you remember what it was? Last year was uh, was Tom Waits, right? Yes, Tom Waits Bone Machine. Before that was the Eels Electro Shock Blues, Material Issues International Popped Overthrow, and. One of the more surprising episodes we've ever done. Oh, Guar's Scum Dogs of the Universe, which Jay and I were not expecting to like and kind of came away digging it. But that's an eclectic mix there to go from Guar to Tom Waits uh, with material issue and the eels in between. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a wide palette. Um, you know, Guar is not necessarily the, uh, the, the, the go-to for me usually, but I, I believe it was a Halloween episode at the time, so yes, I think it, I think it fit. Do I hear a cat? You hear Kitty James Dio in the background. <laughs> Kitty James Dio? Oh, wow. Kitty James Dio. Here, let me go take care of him. I think he's singing Last in Line. <laughs> he's, he's very vocal, that, uh, that uh, Kitty James Dio. Got pipes. I wonder if Kitty Apiece is uh, also there. <laughs> Kitty Iomi. Kitty I. Now I want an all cat, uh, you know, Black Sabbath Mob Rules era. Yeah. I, I, want, I want all that. But Black Sabbath Mach 2 with cats. <laughs> there we go. And then the so other one, the other cat, which is still up there, is, uh, is Veruca Salt. So. Uh, we thought it might be Kitty Apiece. Uh, <laughs> and then you could have you could have a whole thing with Kitty Iomi and, and put a whole Black Sabbath. Uh, or Kitty. But <laughs> Kitty. that's for another time. Share with the audience what your pick is for 2022. 2022, I'm bringing forth uh, Antenna's 1993 album Hideout. Um, so 
I came upon this one uh, because this isn't the only podcast I listen to, surprisingly. What? Uh, there are others? I know, I know. There are others out there. Um, I heard, uh, I don't know, are you guys familiar with the Blake Babies? Yes. yes. Juliana Hatfield's uh, previous band before she put 2,000 records out solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard uh, her drummer, Frida Lovesmith, on the uh, the Local H Lifers podcast. And she listed some of the things that she had done since. And I guess she had been working with, um, oh, the, the name escapes me. Uh, the, the um, what is Antenna's uh, main? Uh, the, the singers, uh, the, the singer was the guitarist from uh, the Blake Babies. And I guess she contributed. John Strom. Yes, thank you. Uh, and I guess she contributed to this, but not actually on this album. Yes. Uh, right. And um, I was uh, I was just intrigued to, to listen. And, uh, you know, I thought it might be worth discussing. Yeah. So the backstory of it is. Um, John Strom or Strom, 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 uh, and Frida Love were from Indiana and they formed the Blake Babies with um, Julian Hatfield in college at in Boston, which a lot of bands formed in Boston in college. That's how the Pixies formed. Mm-hmm. And um, so they broke up in 91 because John Strom and Frida Love went back to Indiana. And Juliana Hatfield formed the Juliana Hatfield three. And then just Juliana Hatfield after that, they go back to Bloomington, which is a town that Jay and I have actually been to many times. Uh, nice college towns where the university of, uh, is it Indiana university or university of Indiana? I forget which one. Indiana university. I believe. There we go. Uh, they form antenna with Jacob Smith and Vess Ruttenberg. Um, Strom on guitar and vocals, Free to Love on drum and vocals, Jacob Smith on bass, Ruthenberg on guitar. So she leaves along with Ruthenberg, Ruthenberg after the first album. And then Patrick Spurgeon joins on drums and Ed Ackerson on guitar. As a three piece, though, they make uh, an EP, which is Sleep, that comes out in 92. The debut came out in, in 91. All these were released on Mammoth Records. So then for their 93 album, Hideout, which is what we're talking about, that is the, the lineup with Ed Ackerson, who went on to be a producer for a lot of bands. Uh, the Jayhawks, The Replacements, um, Motion City Soundtrack. He worked with Dave Davies of the Kinks. He worked with, he's produced a lot of people. Um, and then in 93, later, they release another EP called For Now, and Free to Love actually came back for that one and, and played on it. And then Free to Love ended up marrying uh, the bass player, Jacob Smith. And they've been in other bands. Um, John Strom formed Velo Deluxe, and then he did some solo releases. So that's how that band is connected to the I guess you'd say the, the Boston scene that was happening in the, in the eight, late eighties and nineties with like throwing muses and the pixies, dinosaur junior, those bands. Um, I looked online just for the heck of it. 
on Discogs. They only released the vinyl in the UK, but hmm. it's going for as little as eight bucks. <laughs> so you can't, if you want to pay ridiculous shipping to get it, you can actually get a copy of this album pretty fairly cheap. You're just going to pay like three times the cost of the record to get it shipped. I ain't buying any records from the UK at the moment. Shipping's crazy. Also, also uh, for the promotion of this this podcast, uh, you, you sent out uh, on the email, it's a, uh, a picture of the cassette as well. So I wonder what that's going for. That's a good question. I, I didn't look that one up, but I'm hoping that uh, one of our listeners or uh, one of our followers on Twitter or Facebook will have the cassette and show it to us <laughs> when they hear this episode. This was a Spotify listen for me. Also, as you were talking about Strom's uh, work, it, I think I read up that he uh, eventually also uh, became a lawyer for uh, for musical artists. Yep. Um, I'm assuming that I have the MP3s. I assume I got them from the I Hate the 90s blog that I downloaded them a long time ago because I have no idea how I had the MP3s for this in my in my drive. Uh, let's get to there were a couple comments over at patreon we'll get to the voting on this record whether it's a worthy album a better ep or a decent single at the end of the show but uh bill davidson said blake babies minus juliana hatfield minus free to love on this one too so it's the john strom show with jacob smith the future miss free to love sharing songwriting duties uh it's solid college rock i remember thinking they were pretty good when i first heard them but not good enough for me to buy the records Hideout is a better EP for me. Okay. And then Willie Dillon said, I hate to be negative, but I'm just not feeling it. Too much milk on this toast. I'm not clear on that phrase. Is that mean either. milk toast? Or that, is he talking some sort of toast I in terms I've of... Never, i never put milk on toast. Don't ask me, I'm lactose. Sounds kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, I've never put milk on toast either. I'm milk toast in- intolerant. <laughs> milk toast and top we are jay uh so let's get into it let's talk about hideout by antenna jay tell me one thing you liked about this record it's a really unique mix of i guess what i would call pop rock um styles you know things that are familiar in the 90s but combinations that are unexpected so i'm hearing at times kind of a almost a Britpop kind of sensibility. I'm hearing like almost like the verve kind of attitude and sometimes even atmospherics and big guitars. And, and then I'm also hearing like a power pop, like American, like big star or something along those lines where it's, you know, definitely looking for melodies, looking for hooks some really nice harmonies on this record. Um, kind of a breathy vocal um, that when they layer it with, with some of those harmonies really sounds cool and um, kind of elevates some of these choruses as well and really is effective at pulling you in. Um, you know, but this is all mixed with some big hairy guitars at times, you know, um, some really interesting tones and um, I think the bass playing on this record is is um probably underappreciated uh as bass playing often is because it it just creates this really solid like foundation that I think when the record's working really well they're able to then build on 
and introduce like you know fuzz on the bass or the guitar or another uh, guitar track or a keyboard part that's unexpected organ um even a song like what is it uh, don't be late which you just get these layers of um as the song develops you know the bass starts to fuzz out and it explodes uh, with this organ tone that's really interesting and over the whole mix there's like these chimes i don't know what's going on it's a xylophone or something but it just creates a sonic spectrum that is really um draws you in uh, there's a lot kind of going on but it's still very melodic record's working really well it's putting all those pieces and parts together uh in a way that you know at the end of the day feels like it feels like you know a form of pop rock you know in the 90s but in a really um i think unique sound so that's some of the stuff i liked what, what do you think tim well i i really liked what what was described as the college rock sound of this like this to me sounds like a classic 90s especially early nineties college rock album, because it's not blatant in its like melodies, like wallpaper, which you mentioned, like, I mean, that could have been a posy song yeah. in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like it has that pop element, yeah. but then there's this very shoegazy aspect of this record, which I think is what makes it interesting in that it's a, I mean, it's an Indiana band sounding like the ride or, or early swerve driver or something like that, uh, with a little less muscle, but it's, it's a hard thing to pull off because it doesn't sound like it's blatantly trying to be a shoot. Like they're not making my bloody Valentine's loveless part two. It's just added. It almost in time at times, I hate to use the word country, but there is this like Midwestern vibe mm. to some of this record um, that has like, I mean, m- maybe it's just like this sort of dreamy aspect, but it's it's more than just, um, it's not bluesy, but there is some like, I don't know, like country-ish or it's too early for Americana. I don't, I don't know what to call it, but yeah. it's like, there's something going on there with some of the melodies, just the way that they are in the, in the minors that are happening in those, whatever is being sung. Um, his voice is interesting in that it's not terribly distinct, but it's very effective. Yeah. Um, and when there's the counter melodies with 
uh, free to love. If she's or or sometimes she's doing counter melody, sometimes she's doing um, harmonies with him. But they're really effective at like just elevating it enough so it's just not this sort of boring wall of you know monotonous vocal. Like adding those harmonies and a little bit of counter melody here and there just like separates it enough. Um, the only thing is. <laughs> That album cover gives you no clue as to, <laughs> like, this could have been a fish album. You know what I mean? Like, you know what's weird though? I, as I, I, I know that, I don't know. I know this album cover. Why do I know this album cover? Because it was probably in, in 1993, it was probably in 94, 93, 94, it was probably in the stacks. And, it must have been. I mean, at the it, radio station. It, so it was, it's effective in that way. And then I remember it. I mean, I, it was so familiar to me that I was sure it came up in a poll and I went and checked to see if it had come up in a poll and it hadn't. Oh, so I've been racking huh? my brain like, how the hell do I, why is this so familiar to me? But yeah, it's, it could be anything, but it's, it's definitely memorable. Well, yeah. <laughs> what? It's kind of uh, funny because I'm sorry. It's kind of funny because like I, I look at Spotify and the name antenna has several different artists in the same Spotify. Uh-huh. And, I think the the top um, shine the the song played the most only had in between two and three thousand plays. So I mean, well, it was not one that uh, it, it didn't stick out. I don't even think that this was not the. Uh, I think there were two bands named Antenna that were more popular than this Antenna in Spotify. So, what works best for you on this record, Andrew? Well, you know, I think a lot of times in um, when uh, us union members take uh, to uh, our selections, we, we bring something that is, um, you know, something that we've held with us for, say, 20, 30 years. And that's the opposite case for me on this one. Uh, it's something that I discovered pretty recently, uh, maybe within the last month or two. It's been a summer listen. Um, and, you know, thank you for taking this deeper dive with me. Um, for real, this is a this is a mood record for me, a real vibe record where you're really feeling, you know, I, I'm living in these guitar tones and I'm living in these riffs. Um, for me, this is one of the the important ones where I think don't listen to this off of your iPhone speakers. You really <laughs> have to. And, and I mean, the, yeah. just usually you shouldn't, but. Uh, you you're gonna miss a whole lot of intricacies if you're if you're not listening uh pretty loud on this. I um, the headphones make a huge difference on this record. Huge. That's what I'm saying. Like, cause th- there's really small pieces in a lot of songs. Uh you guys mentioned like uh on Don't Be Late, those uh I don't know, or, or those chimes or <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, chimes faintly in the background. It almost sounded like you know, I think in still life, it almost sounds like somebody's connecting to a dial-up internet somewhere in a verse. Um, they, they, they just bring extra little intricacies to it. Um, and for me, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a guitar player. I, I like playing with guitar pedals, playing with, you know, thick tones. And uh, so often in this, in this um, record, I, I hear like really great use of a tremolo pedal to bring some extra emotion in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the vibrato too, like on second skin. Too, yeah. yeah. 
I, I oh. like, I really like that aspect of his guitar playing is that he uses some, again, this reminded me of like the guys from Swerve Driver or Ride where they like throw in these like big effects. Like it's not just like a little bit of flange. It's like we're affecting the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, you know, how do you just, is it appropriate to describe this as Swerve Driver meets Bloomington, Indiana? Like what would you have expected? Right. Uh, and you, you hear some, you know, country influence. There's some slide guitar here and there. And, uh, but, but overall just the, uh, the, the guitar work just brings a pretty cohesive mood throughout the entire, uh, entire album that I, I really appreciate. Yeah. I want to underscore the easy listening, um, track eight as being a, to me, pretty brilliant combination of like a vibrato guitar and then this super hooky melodic dry guitar over top of it and just the way the whole thing builds with the harmonies and then the drums come in and it just these layers and layers happen but just melodically and rhythmically it's very sophisticated That is just a track to me that just stood out instantly. Like as soon as you hear that second guitar start in that song, like I immediately know, like boom, that's a hook. Like I rem- I recognize that melody. The second, you know, after the first time I heard it, the second time I heard, it, I was like, boom, I remember that. Okay, like mm-hmm. it's really effective guitar writing. Um, in terms of what didn't work, there are times like the song "Shine" that opens up the record when the one distorted guitar comes in. It is very brittle sounding. You know what I'm talking about, Jay? I think it's um, with, it's in the left channel. There's this like, there's a real bro. And I was like, mm, that's, yeah. that's worrisome. When they actually get the big fuzz distortion on, it sounds yeah. great. Yeah. But there's a couple times like that where it's, it's, it's very 1993 indie rock. Let's put mm. it that way. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it has like a, a first album super chunk um like they played through a 10 watt amp <laughs> with with all the bass turned off uh that's that's what that guitar tone sounds like at times um i don't know did that bother you at all jay uh nothing bothered me too much sonically i will i think build on your point a bit on the uh it, it feels almost like this band can hit moments of brilliance. I think Shine, Wallpaper, Don't Be Late, and Easy Listening are four songs that are like just really raising the bar and super compelling. Um, but then I think there are things that are mm, 
almost amateurish to your point about like first record demo you feel like not quite sorted out or just unremarkable so things like i don't know still life to me is still like growing on me um it feels a little bland they they step into this slower vibe sometimes and if they don't do something remarkable uh melodically or with a guitar part or a hook like in wallpaper you know it can just kind of meander and feel like light alternative rock um there's also turns like rust which goes into almost like a garage psych rock direction yeah i was like what are we going with this um it just ended up feeling kind of rudimentary not as sophisticated so i was battling a little bit with like the heights that shine wallpaper don't be late and easy listening get to contrasted with some other material that's just not at that level and it feeling like a stark difference like oh boy you know some of this stuff is really well developed and thought through and some of it feels demo-y Andrew, since you came to this record later, um, what do you have thoughts about maybe things that don't work for you or, or things that have bothered you, you know, upon well, yeah. getting comfortable with it? Yeah, this is one that I'm still, you know, digesting. But, um, you know, I think uh, so much of the um, album in general stays in that mid-tempo to mid-low tempo range um, that sometimes... Actually, I, I think that some of the ones like Rust or Fade, where it, it doesn't seem like an entirely, you know, full fleshed out grand picture, it it, it dices it up a little bit. Um, so I still think that, uh, you know, while they're in that like mid-low tempo range, almost the entire record, I mean, I guess Shine's a, a, a bit more upbeat and maybe uh, Rust is as well. but. Um, you know, a couple more um, ones that pick up the pace or maybe um, maybe something a little less shoegaze, maybe a little bit more, um, uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but something else. It, it, at one point in listening to this record, I kind of thought about, uh, do you remember the album from Four Squirrels? Yeah. Where I think a lot, and like, not that I'm really comparing these two bands, but that record really lived a lot and there was a lot of mid-tempo in that record but they knew how to ratchet it up right um, two or three times on the record to to make some points and i think uh they i i think antenna at some point could have you know taken those songs that didn't fit the um you know the full spectrum of sound model that they that they were doing successfully and maybe tried to kick it up a notch on those um, but, and, you know, I, I think the vocals are fine. I don't think they're, um, there, there's times where they're a little bit, um, less impressive, uh, but like one in specific, like I, I kind of don't like his vocals on second skin. Um, it just doesn't work for me as much as the rest of the record, but, um, he sounds like, uh, Elvis Costello on that song oh, or good. like he's doing like an Elvis Costello impression well, when he gets higher like or faster he gets his his pinched his like he's like dance yeah. and like on fade he does that um uh, which is not i i don't necessarily like him like 
that when he's when he's a little more nasally. And um, I think he's mostly mostly he's in his sweet spot, but you you can notice a couple times when when it's like okay, that's it, it's been the same set of like anytime I've tried to sing, oh that that's the bassist trying to sing, or which he pulls off much better. But um, yeah, I mean, it just I think vocals on Second Skin didn't work as well for me. I think the thing that helps that song is the dynamics is the fact that there is yeah. a di- a big dynamic shift in that song whereas on like rust or fade it's not as dramatic so yeah. you don't get as much you yeah. to play with and fade is four and a half minutes whereas second skin is only three and a half minutes so i think that might be part of it just fade just doesn't have it just rocks which is fine it sounds like a b-side a swerve driver b-side and for me it's like when i listen to it alone i'm like okay this song's pretty cool but then when i listen to the song before and after it which i think are super strong right wait a minute like the bar was just raised so now i'm gonna have to go back and (laughs) consider the other song and like yeah this isn't as strong as these other two songs so this uh, the record's very relative to me like they just show the this amazing potential which makes me reevaluate some of the other material that doesn't get there and see it differently i think that's fair and i think sometime some of the songs on this record you're like wow the, the, uh, as epic as it is you realize it like i think um what was it like like don't be late uh like you're you're into the it, it seems like a really epic song and you're into the bridge before two minutes but it feels like a powerful trip that you're going on. Yeah. It has a, that has, uh, you mentioned the bass, Jay. That's a, one of those songs that just has like great bass stuff carrying it. Very like when I was listening to it, I was like, this is very sunny day real estate. <laughs> this bass part, which mm. is, you know, has no connection to this whatsoever. And, but I could totally hear like <coughs> Nate Mendel, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, picking this up. I really like the bass work in Still Life. That that was one that stood out to me. I guess it's it's a louder song, so I don't remember it as well. Like when they're a couple it, of songs it, where it's the bass is by itself. Well, I mean, I think that's one where like you hear it because the guitar is ringing out and gotcha. it gives a little bit of space to to listen to what they're doing. But um, oh yeah, you can hear it. he's like he's even playing some chords and stuff. I think it's a six like, eight feel too. It's kind of like a waltz kind of vibe. Um, I didn't one other thing that. I didn't love was this ended with kind of two slow songs that were hell. Luya is like very dreamy 
Like yeah. it sounds like a like a Brian Jonestown massacre, <laughs> well produced song. Um, so I yeah. could have maybe used a little more noise at the end. I I actually wrote down something like that too. Uh, that that actually I. I, I appreciate Hallelujah, but I think the album should have ended there. It yeah. kind of seemed strange to go back to. I mean, I think Gray Street's a, you know, it's a fine song. Uh, it's not one of the more impressive ones on the record, but uh, putting that last almost seems like, are you hiding it? Because to me, that wall of sound, which was the feature for this album, that really kind of probably Hallelujah should have ended it to pay respect to that, but. Yeah, just kind of a yeah, just play out musically like at yeah. the, the fullest extent of what the idea of the band was. And like, the, the, guitar, totally the guitars and the organs play so well together in that song. Like, I, yeah, I, you know, maybe maybe Gray Street, Gray Street could have been somewhere else, but I, I don't know what the point is after Hallelujah. Yeah, I don't know who plays any of the extra instruments because nobody is credited with them. I also don't know. So maybe producer uh, Paul Mahern snuck in after the band was gone and just played a bunch of shit that they didn't know about. They're pretty important. Too. I know. that's a, They're not they little are. parts. I mean, I would say that the, the organ pretty much saves uh, Dreamy on track five. Yep. I agree. Yeah. That's the that's like the special sauce that makes the song work. Right. And you see that so many times on this record. Of just li- the, the little pieces that are the icing on the cake that make songs work. I mean, the, the the consistent part for me is just that 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 wall of sound guitar, and whether whether it's clean or thick or, or through half a dozen pedals. But then, what makes the song as a whole work is those little extra pieces that you see. So let's put this into perspective for a second. This came out in '93 on mammoth mammoth also released this year the juliana hatfield threes become what you are chainsaw kittens ep um albums by machines of loving grace joe henry dylan fence um a blake babies album must be a compilation or like a yeah it's a compilation um and then the next year we get uh, more Chainsaw Kittens, Dylan Fence. So like, oh, Pure, Victoria Williams, that kind of stuff. So, I, I mean, I remember Mammoth. They weren't like a small, I mean, they were an indie, I guess, but I think they had like major distribution or something. Um, but this is entirely a college rock record, right? Like, I can't imagine this going up against like Pearl Jam and Nirvana in 1993 and Alice in Chains on like alternative rate. There you go going up against those bands on like you know alternative radio like at that point it's they're not playing this anymore or they probably never were i mean but there's no way that like your average college radio stations or or rock you know uh station is gonna play this if they're playing i mean do we know shine was the most played on spotify is there a definitive like do we know that there was a single off of this that was promoted uh that was promoted that's a good question um i can look on uh, give me one sec 
and I will tell you, because I looked this up earlier on Discogs when I was looking up the price of the uh, vinyl, because I, I was just curious to see. Uh, so was there a promo single? Doesn't look like it. I mean, it's it like, kind of seems to me like Shiner Wallpaper might have made sense, but... Yeah, it doesn't... Um, for the first album, Sway, they released the song Sleep. Well, no, they did the EP Sleep, um, which contained, I think, some album tracks and then some other tracks. And then there was a 7-inch called Wait Barstow Blues that came out in 1992, but that might have just been from the record. Nope, I was wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, they don't have any promo singles released for either record, which is weird. Like, right? I guess maybe like a label like Mammoth, it probably costs them less to just send the record as opposed to printing a single because CD is a CD. It doesn't matter if you put one song or 12 songs on it. It's going to cost the same to print it up other than the artwork. So they were probably like, screw it. Just send them the album. And I wonder if, I mean, you said they released a Blake Babies record and a Juliana record. At some point in negotiations, was he like, okay, put mine out too? I don't, you know, I don't know because. um, I'm saying he, they, it, it seems like Strom was the, was the consistent one throughout it all with some revolving doors. Yeah, it looks like, I, I don't know. Well, they had put out the last two Blake Babies albums. So it makes sense that John Strom would have uh, stayed with that label. Um, and I guess, yeah, that's where Juliana Hatfield is. So basically, they were, they were on the label already. And the label was like, if you're going to split up, just stay on the label. We'll put out both your records. And we'll put out Blake Baby stuff that you can give us. So we can all keep making money. Making all that sweet, sweet Blake baby money. <laughs> Blake bucks. Blake bucks. Eric. Blake bucks. Blake bucks in Boston. Uh, what's the, what is the uh, exchange for 10 Blake bucks to uh, <laughs> one Stanley nickel? Uh, okay, let's, let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. We'll, we'll, we will judge it on the Worthy Album, Better EP, Decent Single Scale, which we will share from our patrons in just a moment. But Jay, where do you land? I'm going to land on an EP. I think, like I mentioned, Shine, Wallpaper, Don't Be Late, and Easy Listening is a perfect EP. I would add... Danger Buggy and Second Skin to kind of round it out. Uh, and that'd be my that'd be my call. I think the other stuff is, like I said, on its own, okay. Uh, I just think that material I just listed is just elevated so much higher. And just uh be interesting to have heard this band go on in the direction that, that music was was pushing things. Uh, because it it's a pretty compelling take on uh you know kind of american pop all 90s rock 
I agree with you on five of your six picks. I would swap Dreamy for Danger Buggy. Um, and I would go with those six for my EP. I think this band works really well as an EP, as an EP band. Like they, yeah, yeah. It it reminded me a little bit of, um, I don't know, I think of Creeper Lagoon a bit as a EP band. (laughs) Like they feel like, uh, they peter out around six or seven yeah, songs. Yeah, like there's an EP's always an EP's worth of great stuff, and then some other like mm, I'm not sure. So I had the same kind of feeling with this. Right. Where do you land, Andrew? Yeah, you know I don't feel like uh you know usually I feel like there's some some pressure like I have to go uh worthy album with whatever I bring, but this is kind of a newer one to me. I, I did a lot of research like over the course of the last year. I don't know if you remember. Uh, I promised a Sky record on this one. Did you? Oh. I, I mean, I clearly didn't follow through. <laughs> no. Um, um, it, it was a throwaway. And then I actually, like, for a month, I tried to find a Sky record I'd like to do. And it, well. You couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I exercised myself. I, uh, I read Mark Lanigan's uh, book. And every time he mentioned a, a band that he was touring with or hanging out uh, an artist he was hanging out with. I'm like, let me check that out. And, and for me, most of those bands were probably like their, their nineties releases weren't as good as their eighties, but whatever. I, I came on this uh, fairly recently. I'm at a longer EP than you, but like, I I'm kind of more at that nine, nine range, which, okay. you know, I, I kind of feel like that, you know, what, what's the upper end of an EP? What's the lower end of an album? And I kind of think like, you know, 10 is probably where the album should be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would probably I, I don't like Gray Street all that much. Uh, I would probably would cut Second Skin and then maybe like, I don't know. Yeah, Rust is not as I think it's a fine song. It's not one that really stands out so much to me, but um, I, I'm around that nine song range. So I guess I'm also going to go with a, a stronger EP. That makes sense. I get it. Uh, our patrons were evenly. Actually, I, I'm going to have to correct what you did because I know I voted differently. Uh-oh. Uh, on, on, the, on the vote. I'm sorry. Well, we don't Wait. know who voted. I'll, oh, then I'll, I'll shut my mouth. Which, which Andrew, Andrew do we believe? Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you... you <laughs> Like I said, this is this is a deeper dive. Uh, you know, I'm I'm used to kind of taking uh, stuff that I've been super familiar with, and uh, this one, you know, just listening with a fresher, more critical ear. I guess I, I can really separate some nostalgia. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we've had anybody else do that yet. No, I don't Great think time. this is a first. I think your observation that you know usually we review records that are you know people have you know known intimately. Of, for right 30 years so right no this, this is, is kind of cool i started listening to this summer uh where and, and like you know i probably just started playing shine wallpaper and somewhere in between still life and dreamy i you know maybe a kid threw something at me and i had to turn the music off so um you know it it, it was a cool experience uh to to do something that wasn't the uh check out my favorite record from 32 years ago or second or third, because they, they've already been taken from another union member. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
they were completely split. 33% were the album, 33% better EP, 33% decent single. Oh, wow. Which means that 1% abstained, I guess. I don't, I don't know. We're missing 1% of the vote from there. Uh, Cause I guess it's all rounded the th- or it's all at 0.33333. Well, you know, if, if that 1% was on worthy album, we're all wrong. That's true. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, so wait, how did you vote? Okay, I voted. I voted for the album, and I okay. kind of, I kind of have digressed a little bit. I mean, you're you're right there. You're like one track. Difference. That's what I'm saying. Like right. well, whether I'm nine or ten, and you know, it's a I, '90s EP. It's a it's a '70s album. <laughs> I'm not gonna I lie. I go into some of these episodes where you're at. I'm like, oh man, I'm right there on the edge. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And like, yeah, through the course of the episode, I'll make my final decision wow yeah and like you know i was writing my final notes for the second time today because i left the first one at work but um <laughs> yeah i'm writing them out i'm like oh, i said ep there <laughs> and I'm like, Wait, do i really do i really want to eliminate something like this right. or like so i mean you're back and forth up until like you know e- even the discussion we're having now like yeah you know, I, I'm, I'm coin flip on, in, you know, right now I'm saying, you know, maybe I'd take off Gray Street and Second Skin and maybe tomorrow I would, you know, maybe something like Easy Listening or something else. So, no, there, there's, there's a lot there. Yep. It's funny that you said leaving your notes at work. I know that when I used to have to work in an office, I left Dig Me Out notes at work at least once or twice because I would listen in my cubicle to the mm-hmm. albums over and over again and like the the one day before we were going to record i wrote them down at work and then went i left them at work and i, I remember, remember I everything remember. i was listening you know it, at home i'm listening on a much better uh stereo system and i let it play on my iphone today i'm just like no no i mean i know what i'm thinking mm-hmm. this one really more than anything that i've uh, brought to the table this one needed to be on a louder better set of speakers yes not my 20 dollars amazon desk speakers yeah. that was not the proper listening environment well thank you for bringing this to us because even though it's got some interesting connections with regards to the blake babies and juliana hatfield i don't think jay and i were familiar with this record at all so no thank you no th- I, I you don't i've uh for as eclectic as some of the uh, stuff that i've brought um i wanted to go something obscure this time. So. Well, I'm glad you did. Cause it was a really cool pick. Um, cool. Glad you enjoyed it. I want to remind the folks listening that if you would like to join our union, you can do so by going to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. That's where you get to vote in the polls like this for the, each of the albums that we're going to be reviewing. Plus our polls that happen every month a four-part poll, uh, nine albums, three times, and then the top two winners from each one goes into the final battle. The the they enter the Coliseum with their chariots and their flaming spears. And it's we, like you're describing Beowulf. I don't I don't know. It's getting <laughs> it's an epic Thor Ragnarok, but yes. <laughs> Uh, and once they uh, slay the uh, six-legged spider, I don't know. I don't know. Spider uh, lost two legs. 
I was gonna say I thought <laughs> it's a six-legged spider. It's even more terrifying. <laughs> There's nothing more, it's more nimble than a spider with less than eight legs. <laughs> I legit really didn't know in the moment how many legs a spider had. <laughs> we know. It's all bad. I, I I was my my gears were cranking and I was like, I, it's gotta be an even number. That's all I know. <laughs> Just gotta be well, even. You said he was being slain, right? So he lost two legs. Yes, in battle. That's what happened. Uh, You get to vote in our suggested albums, which go to digmeoutpodcast.com from people from all around the world. Drop a name of a record, the artist, and tell us why we should check it out. That goes into our monthly polls, which you can vote on at Patreon. It's also where you can read the Box Newsletter, which goes out every week with a calendar of new releases of 80s and 90s relevant uh, music, movies, television shows, books, everything that's happening, and new reviews of at least two each week, either from myself or from our patrons who like to contribute every now and then when something strikes their fancy. Um, Hopefully something will strike their fancy uh, uh, soon because uh, there's some uh, good stuff coming up and... I have listened to a lot of records this year. Like, I probably listen to more new music this year than any year in my life, because like every week I'm cranking out two new two two new albums. And uh, what do we what do we got there? We're listening to Sincere Engineer. That was a good one that I just picked up. No, what is that? We <sighs> she is um. She just got off a tour with um the Metzingers and like uh so. Ooh, I like Menzikers. Yeah, you know, uh, kind of the, the twenty, late twenty tens, early twenty teens, kind of punk. Yep. Um, female fronted, pretty awesome. Check it out. Cool. Right. That's not her newest though. That maybe two years old. On hopeless record. Gotcha. Box newsletter. Sign up for it at digmeoutpodcast.com. And finally. Apple Podcasts is where you go. If you like the show, leave us some positive feedback. Five stars. Bing, 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 bang, boom. Uh, That's it. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. (laughs) 